Good morning and welcome as we worship together on this first Sunday during Lent. My name is Elaine Hall and I am pastor here with St. Matthew's Methodist Church and we're glad we can be together. Will you join me for an opening prayer? Holy God, you came among your people to heal and to save and you still move among your people, leading us, guiding us and filling us with hope. May we be open this day to the movement of your spirit, and may we respond to your grace in our world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture this morning begins with Mark chapter 4, verse 35, and we'll keep reading through Mark 5, verse 20. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked to the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, and when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swineherds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. The very man who had been the, who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac 
and to the swine reported it. They began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go to your home and to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. These are the words of God for God's people. And we say, thanks be to God. So this is the first Sunday in Lent. Just a couple of days ago, we marked Ash Wednesday. And some of us received the mark of ashes on our foreheads. And as we enter into this season, it is so easy to hear a message that says, go do deeper, do more, give up something, be holy, try harder. Even in our culture beyond the church, beyond the Christian faith, there's an idea of Lent and there's an idea of Lent as a time to uh, give up something, particularly something that you like, um, particularly either dessert or alcohol. And there is a sense of a season of self-improvement. It's like spring cleaning made spiritual. And all those things, all those messages can be full of pressure and a sense of you're not doing it right. And if you really want to be close to God, if you really want to be acceptable to God, you need to stop doing things that you enjoy. You need to have a clean house and 40 fewer bags of clutter. You need to be more and do more and be better to be in the presence of God. We are amazingly adept at taking a season that is meant to recognize our frailty, a season that is meant as a time to lean into mercy, and to make it into a time of more elaborate checklists and more judgment. It's healthy to take a moment to reflect. It's healthy to take a season to step back from the things that might become crutches for us, or might become distractions from life lived fully with God. But it is so easy to cross a line um, and to move from a healthy moment of reflection to this sense that our checklists determine our worth to ourself and to God. And to have a sense of self-judgment that... Um, we're not doing enough or we are not um, doing the right things or that there is something that we need to fix or change before Jesus' grace and mercy come to us. And that is not the way Jesus' grace and mercy work. We don't earn them. We don't give up stuff our way into them. We don't deserve them. They come to us because Jesus chooses love. 
Theologian Kate Bowler talks about Lent as a season of our common humanity. It's this time that we recognize what has always been true about us. We are mortal. We are fragile. We are contingent. Our life and our thriving depends on so many factors outside of our control. And our world, especially our American culture, teaches us that um, we should be independent, that we should build up for ourselves homes and savings account and social networks that will buffer us and that will keep us from experiencing loss and fragility and vulnerability that if we sort of build up the right walls we can keep those essential parts of our humanity out. And we wear ourselves out trying. And maybe some of the true invitation of Lent is, can we stop building the walls? Can we stop putting more and more effort into sealing the cracks in our, um, our attempt to shield ourselves from the fragile and difficult parts of being human. It's a time, Lent is a time that we recognize we are mortal, we are fragile, we are contingent. And it's a time when we remember that God chose to be those things himself, that God became Jesus and God was mortal. God was fragile. God was contingent and dependent on the people around him. And that happened specifically in the time frame of Jesus' life on earth. But it also shows us the shape of our God. Our God who does not opt out of what is difficult about being human, but opts into it so that he can shape it and change it for our good. So it's a time that we recognize that we are mortal and we are fragile and we are contingent. It's a time when we recognize that God chooses to be mortal and fragile and contingent for our sakes. And it's a time when we recognize how our struggles, how our reality of being mortal and fragile and contingent weaves us into the human family. These are things that we share with all other humans. And sometimes in our moments of struggle, they, they push us towards being isolated. They push us towards being connected. They um, push us when we're the one who's experiencing those fragile moments to sort of um, self-protect and to shield that image of ourselves from other people seeing it. Or when we have someone in our community who is fragile, so many times we um, want to turn away or step back so that we don't have to encounter um, that fragileness for ourselves. But Lent is a time that we can open the doors to what is vulnerable and fragile and difficult and recognize those as gateways to our connection as a human family.
So we start this first Sunday of Lent with two connected stories about Jesus. And Jesus comes face to face with chaos and struggle and the forces of evil. We start out with the scene of the storm on the sea. And the way, G- the way Mark tells it, Jesus is in a boat, but there are other boats with him. There's actually quite a crowd of people on the sea when this storm comes up. And their natural forces of power and danger and discord, and they're threatening to destroy the boats and the people in them. Jesus is calmly in control. Jesus is vulnerable in the sense that he is human too. And if the boat goes down, he's going down with it. But he's also calm and in control and able to calm the storm. And it's not just the physical storm. It's also a symbolic connection with all that is evil. All that is out of control and scary and overwhelming. That Jesus shows up as God incarnate and Jesus faces those forces of scary and overwhelming and too much. And quiets them with his grace and invites the people in the boat to faith and to connection with him. So they get to the other side of the sea and we don't know exactly what happened to all the people that were in the boats. But when Jesus approaches the um, man with the demon, Jesus is alone. This man is um, overwhelmed by disruption and fear in his life. The forces that... um, torment his mind and his body, leave him disconnected and afraid and in pain. And there again, it's about that one man, but it's also a connection symbolically to the whole political and world order of their day. Legion is not just a word that means a whole lot. It means specifically an organized group of Roman soldiers. And the people of Israel were living under the um, rule of Rome and under the cruelty of Rome. And this sense that um, as Romans came in and, and took over control of the area, they brought with them fear and discord and pain and struggle. And so Jesus heals the man. He drives out the forces of evil that are disturbing the man and keeping him from living life to its full. And at the same time, Mark is making a statement about God's power over even the big scary Roman Empire that Jesus' power ultimately is greater than all the big, hard, scary, bad things happening in the world. 
So we enter into Lent. We enter into Lent with God right here with us. God who chose to be contingent and vulnerable and fragile and mortal. And also with God who by that very power of weakness conquers all the bad, scary stuff, all the hard, terrible moments. And instead of building more walls that disconnect us further from each other and from God, um, the power of God leans into the vulnerability and finds healing in that place and then shares it so that we can walk forward together. My hope for this season of Lent is that it could be a season where we rediscover how deeply connected we are to one another and how our experiences of struggle are experiences of humanity that we share with all our neighbors. And that we could remember that that humanity that we share with each other is humanity that God chose to share with us for our good and for the good of all the world. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Holy God, your grace and your mercy are everlasting. Your power is made perfect in weakness. And you show up in the messy, difficult, disturbing parts of our human life to walk through them with us. There is no place we will go and nothing we will experience that you have not been willing to take upon yourself. So in this season of Lent, O oh God, as we can be so aware of the things that are difficult. I've heard some folks say it feels like we never finished Lent 2020, and here we are starting Lent 2021. Our world has seen pain and disease and death and isolation and struggle. Maybe, oh God, we don't need a season to remind us how real those struggles are. But we certainly need a season in which you remind us how close you are to us in our struggles and how you carry us every step of our journey. We pray, oh God, not just for our congregation, but for your church throughout the whole world that we would be people who welcome your grace and mercy, who, people whose experience of struggle is shaped by the presence of love. Make us ready to love with our whole hearts, to connect with you and with your people. God, we pray for the leaders and rulers of our world, for everyone who makes decisions that affect many others. May those prayers be made with wisdom and with truth. We pray for Joseph, our president, and Roy, our governor, and all who have been elected and appointed to be our leaders. 
May they make wise decisions. May they lead with courage and confidence. And may we participate in working for our common good. We pray for this, our community of Morganton. We pray for teachers and students and staff as they move to a new phase of in-person learning this coming week. Calm any fears, soothe any transitions, and help them to return safely and with courage and hope. God, we pray for Nancy McClellan, for Roy Ledford, and for all those to whom we have promised our prayers. We lift up all these prayers to you in the name of Jesus, who is teaching us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May you go forth into the days to come in the sure and certain knowledge that in your weakest moments, Christ is with you and love never fails. Go in the name of God who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.